Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? So, Danimal, one of my favorite movies is The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. And that movie, you know, spoiler alert, but anybody who hasn't seen it, who would be listening to this, I don't know what you're doing with your time, but the movie ends with Randy the Ram climbing to the top turnbuckle, flexing into his his signature Ram Jam move, preparing to dive, and then it fades to black, cuts to black. Now, imagine if the next sequence of events that occurred after this was the top belt buckling and him falling flat on his face. How well do you think this movie would be received? Uh, Still probably better than the ending of Extreme Rules this past Sunday, because that was exactly (laughs) what fucking happened. Yeah, I mean, that I'll give him credit. I've never heard of that one. So at least it ended on a talking point, but where the hell did they come up with that? Yeah, it's really made me wonder if uh, we're going to either have the return of God who wrestled that one tag team match or if Vince McMahon is once again going to come out as the higher power who helped uh, Roman through breaking the turnbuckle. Because that's the other thing that's killer is they do that. And it was like... uh, I mean, it was like the Avengers Infinity movie where like, it's the heartbreaking ending. You know, you have to wait a year to find out what the fuck happened. That happened on Sunday. We still don't know how they're going to explain this one or if it's just the May Young hand and it's just going to be like, and we'll never speak of it again. Because, what? yeah, go. But just up until that, it was so fucking cool. It was like, well, it, you know, it's Extreme Rules pay-per-view, but this is the only Extreme Rules match. So, you know, you know, some shit's going to go down. Finn Balor comes out in his highly protected, undefeated demon persona and proceeds to have the match. It looks like he's going to win. Though There was the wonderful uh, return to the low blow kickout that Roman used against Finn, proving the only continual storytelling that WWE will tell revolves around getting hit in the balls. But uh, so, yeah, he, he gets the Usos come in when he should win it. They take him. Then he beats the Usos up, gets speared through the barricade, great spot. And then the lights hit. The, you know, he kind of like moves like a, with a heartbeat over the, the music. And then his music hits and he just goes fucking ape shit. And it was so cool. It was cool enough that I was almost sucked into thinking that they may be pulling the trigger. Just in the ultimate like, hey, AEW is doing a lot of crazy shit. We're going to prove that you need to watch our, our TV, not just when it's the big four. And then Finn gets onto the top rope and he stays up there for a little too long. And I'm just like, oh boy, here comes, you know, Brock on a zip line or the rock to join the head of the table or, you know, some crazy shit. And then it was just that. And what really kills me about it is the man's finisher is him jumping about as high as he can off of the same turnbuckle coming down onto a human. And then in real life, the fact that he's not murdering them is impressive, but even within the wrestling that he's, you know, putting all his force into crushing the sternum of his foe and being fine. And yet somehow the unexpected drop from four feet was enough to take out this demon persona who was then, you know, speared at least and 
the match ended, but it was, I felt like it was the strangest roller coaster and that I was like on the big up, but then it turned out they had a second exit and it just kind of like flat. It was like all this, like, Oh boy, this is going to be a good one. You know, thanks for writing. See you next time. So yeah, I, I'm, I just don't know. I mean, tomorrow better, better give me the, the greatest answer. And maybe it needs to be Vince McMahon with that's right. Balor. It was me all along. So yeah, no, that makes total sense. Cause it was so, I mean, the fact that they already utilized a magic element, you can't write it off as one of those things. Like we've already accepted. You can have like undertaker Bray Wyatt magical moments where something happens out of the ordinary or something extraordinary occurs and we just accept it as a reality. But the fact that you already had the Finn Balor like being brought to life by the demon persona, you can't then double down and have another element at play. So it very clearly has to be something like that. I'm concerned that it's going to be something even lamer and it's just going to be like, and Paul Heyman with the wrench that secretly loosened it while all this action was happening out, you know, off camera. Um, I'll have to say, I don't, I didn't watch the match personally. I didn't see it in action. I read the summary and my favorite thing about reading a Roman Reigns summary is it's the most boring synopsis. Everything is like Roman Reigns attempted a spear and then was hit with an enziguri and a chop and an overhand right. And then Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns went for the Superman punch, but was countered with a German suplex and legs, Russian leg sweep. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on each time. Yeah, I mean, he's he, and honestly, he was he's been great in the ring and he played it well, but it, it was just like it, it felt like it, something special was supposed to happen. Yeah, I mean, I and that's the thing is I just don't see any, especially because they're I think the, the real killer for me is that they have no like magic characters right now, because this is where it would have been like if we hadn't seen Bray Wyatt since WrestleMania. All of a sudden, you know, this is the classic, you know, I remember there was a money in the bank, I think, where like Roman was going to win and Bray just came out of nowhere for the first time in like two months. And it was just like anyone but you, Roman. And we're like, hey, he's crazy. I'm cool with it. And yeah, there was. So, yeah, I, I'm just really disappointed. And I think I'll, I'll kind of piggyback and then because I got a lot of good things to say. But the weirdest thing was that they fought this match followed the SmackDown women's title, which was Becky, who looked like a million bucks I'm amazing that woman had a baby recently and is already showing zero ring rust against Bianca Belair which ended in a DQ Sasha Banks run-in it's like your two biggest matches of the night both have like non-finishes at least Sasha's sets up you know a, a triple threat I don't know if you saw the uh the picture online of Becky giving the tentative thumbs up which was so great that she like wins the match via DQ and just kind of wanted to be like, so we're cool, right? But <laughs> yeah, it was for, for a pay-per-view called Extreme Rules. The endings were pretty far from extreme, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that the women's one made more sense to me because that was inevitable. I mean, yeah, just the triple threat. Yeah, like we all knew that was going to occur. And so... It was just a matter of how they went about it. Um, it's not the most compelling or exciting, but again, it, it just seemed like it needed to happen that way in order to build to something greater. Very, very reminiscent to um, the uh, Kenny Omega, uh, Brian Danielson, AEW 
Grand Slam match where it, it could have only ended in one way, truly, uh, despite how much you really hoped that something else occurred. But the Roman Reigns one, I, you know, again, I, I've been saying to anybody who listened, like the three people on Reddit or whatever, and you, that I still think The Rock's going to take him out. So um, this just kind of builds to that. Um, I appreciate the push for Bauer, though. I mean, the guy deserves it. He's an amazing talent. Oh, yeah, I think I think still the the thing that bums me out the most about him because I I absolutely love him. I think everything about him, just the fact that he is as small as he is, and through sheer ring acumen, the fact that he has you know as I gushed about last episode, he's taken such phenomenal care of his body that it seems like he can he can go toe to toe with anyone because he's fucking carved out of rock. And he was the original universal champion and fucking Seth Rollins had separated his goddamn shoulder and he vacated the title after one day, but they clearly believe in the guy. So yeah, I'm, I, I definitely hope that this is, you know, a, a case of him getting, you know, a match down the road or something. But um, speaking of champs and getting what you deserve, let's pivot to the big news. And that is the big man, Big E being the WWE champion. And this is, in my opinion, one of the first instances of the AEW effect on WWE. Everyone's been saying that Vince is at his best in a fight. And he went ahead and had Big E cash in on a Monday Night Raw and win the title. And it was a hell of a moment. It was a good match. And I, I just really am excited by that. They got the New Day back together, which is... You know, usually I, I'm willing to go with the recency bias and say that it frustrates me with WWE that, you know, you can look at the top, top 20, whatever's of all time. And it's, you know, 80% people that have t-shirts in the WWE shop, but New Day is up there for the greatest factions of all time. They're so great. And having them with Big E at the front, um, I was listening to a, a fellow wrestling podcast today and they brought up that since he's won the title, the ratings for Raw have been higher than they've been previously and it's just been really great to watch because that guy every i mean every time you watch him he's got he's got the charisma he's you know capable of running and jumping and doing the quick stuff and he can also pick up bobby lashley and drop him flat on the mat so that's been hugely exciting yeah um i have to say biggie i can say nothing but good things about the fact that he managed to carve out a damn impressive career and now a championship career from what he started as because you want to talk about like just the most generic heavy i mean even the name it was just lame when he appeared like his purely just existed to be just that buff dude you know in the background and the fact that he has managed to carve out and introduce so much of his own personality to go over so damn well is amazing. And while maintaining the same name, for the most part, the same ring attire, like he just purely pushed it on sheer willpower. Fantastic. Amazing accomplishment. I think this was awesome too for Twofold because quite frankly, I felt like this has actually elevated Bobby Lashley despite the fact that he lost the belt because I think it makes him a more intriguing character. And I think it's been kind of swept under the rug, how talented Bobby Lashley has come back in this second run in WWE or third run or whatever, however many times he's left and come back. But 
he was always that guy who like in the past was seemingly elevated just because he was so jacked and had so much potential, but then in ring left something to be desired. The guy's carved out quite an impressive like body of work and assortment of maneuvers now. And they've really kind of introduced this new angle where he's truly terrifying in the ring, but something about him not being the champion and showing up every time, like in the suits and doing the promos, which he doesn't quite excel at and more just seeing him in ring action and being this imposing figure has been pretty damn cool. And uh, personally, I feel like it's, it's put him on the track to potentially be a hall of famer versus being a very well renowned, like former champion. And time will tell, but that that's what I see. No, I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, him and him and Drew had kind of a, a great little rivalry that they went back and forth on. But yeah, that kind of felt like it was going to be sort of the like Miz takes the title with the cash in, Lashley wins it and goes with transition champ, and then Drew gets the WrestleMania moment. And they didn't do that. And I thought that was a really, a really smart move. And yeah, I think Bobby's done a great job. I think that, you know, he's stayed in the title picture in an interesting way already. Um, like uh, WWE, and I was shocked by this last night for Raw, it was supposed to be Big E and Bobby, and they inevitably had the run in at the beginning, which then led to a second match in a cage that was a great deal. But I just feel like even that booking was once again a more interesting way of instead of just like whoa we'll kick this down the road until whatever the next review is so no i i'm 100 with you it seems like the hurt business is getting back together um which i think is a great call because they were really fun stable when they existed i mean just the name of it and the concept of a bunch of athletic imposing dudes that wear suits and fucking hurt people in the business is awesome i think they're a great foil if you put them keep them on raw with the new day i think it could be fun to send them over to smackdown with the draft coming up and have them bump with the head with the uh the bloodline because you've instantly got the usos and roman and bobby like you said you know he's a guy that the minute he steps into the ring with someone he's a threat and that's just a really good thing to have and with him having this main event success you know, I, I don't think he'd beat Roman if you put him in with him, but you you know you're going to get a hell of a match. You're not going to see a, a spear and Superman punch wrap it up. So that was that was really, uh, really satisfying, in, in my opinion. So I'd say that's that's been the biggest highlight for me. Um, I guess moving on, we, we brought up a little bit of uh, the women's division on SmackDown. Great to have Becky back after the bizarre SummerSlam quasi squash but i get that if she's trying to be a heel which so far she's doing pretty damn good at um that was a great way to do it um i gotta say over on the raw side for the women's i've been a little little disappointed that charlotte's back in the in the title that she beat alexa bliss and destroyed her doll which was one of those sentences that only seems not ridiculous if you're a wrestling fan though it does make me intrigued to see what happens with alexa next because i think she's probably the best woman they have for just like doing something compelling that doesn't involve the title so while she may get into it with charlotte in the title i think if she stays in this weird bray wyatt infused gimmick something could happen or maybe they just go straight to the Shayna baszler charlotte which i think that could be a phenomenal rivalry because Shayna is one of the few women i think that physically appears to be able to go toe-to-toe with charlotte while also 
having the athleticism and the quickness to match up with her in the ring. So I think, I think that could be a lot of fun. So I, I, I do feel like the women's division continues to be great. Uh, love this. I also like that, uh, Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, um, got the, the tag titles. So after that slightly disappointing run for both of them, um, losing to Charlotte's inevitability, good to see them still getting some, some run with some gold. So overall I've been, I've been pretty pleased with that. Have you been able to keep up on much of the women's action? Yeah, you know, I really think that Rhea, they're, they're trying to use to get Nikki over. Um, I get the sense that she's not very popular, actually. Like that. And again, I, I maybe I'm just reading too many uh, shitty wrestling subreddits that are run by insult males that are just upset that they have to watch women's wrestling. But um, I think that pairing, because Rhea is just such a phenomenal talent. And it feels like a step back for her to be doing this. But I also get that. I agree with you. Like she needs something. A belt of any sort is important to give her a reason to be out there every night. But really the pairing with her with Nikki ASH really, really feels like they're trying their damnedest to make her go over. Cause she's such a perfect character for that kid friendly environment they're trying to create. And Rhea is such a like, perfect like companion in that she's not the traditionally marketed towards children figure but is wholesome in a weird sort of way despite essentially being lady bane so i mean i'm torn on that one um but you know you're right seeing them be able to perform every night and not impede charlotte which you're right is an inevitability that that's actually the perfect way to summarize it because it's like she's so perfectly talented and yet so perfectly boring for that reason it it honestly reminds me a lot of when triple h was in his prime and held the belt seemingly for years on end where it was just like i can't say anything negative about his in-ring ability or the amount of work he's done but damn if i wouldn't kill to see somebody else with that strap for the change um yeah i i think that it's an interesting thing. And the one thing you have kind of alluded to, and you actually did mention the draft is there's a seemingly a, a motion or more of these team ups and more of these stables kind of forming up. And it's so perfectly timed with the draft right on the horizon here, just because, you know, a lot of these are going to get thrown, you know, to the wayside somehow. So it'll be really interesting to see how they shake things up because uh, there is a lot of potential there. And you're right, you're right. On the last note on the women's division, um, Baszler is phenomenal. And as much as it sucks that um, Jax had that injury, um, I think it will actually be really, really good for Baszler to have some separation from that and kind of be able to be back to a solo wrestler for a change. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's I think it's going to be great. Um. I mean, those are probably my biggest thoughts. Um, is there anything else that's piqued your interest or anything that you haven't been able to follow that's got you curious beyond the, the Phantom Turnbuckle? How much of an impact do you think the dark side of the ring is going to have on WWE? Because very clearly, like, AEW is kind of secretly behind the scenes of pushing these and providing a lot more access to information than... Vince McMahon is used to controlling. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. 
I mean, I, I think it's kind of one of those things where I feel like it's the machine, you know, grinds forward in that they basically acknowledged, it's really funny to me because they've kind of acknowledged that like the 80s and like the early, well, basically the mid 90s and everything before was like, didn't happen. Like we, we just don't talk about that anymore. The Attitude Era is probably one of my favorites because it's so beloved that they don't ever want to talk about how problematic all of it was. Like, I think my favorite was I heard, I heard Stephanie on a podcast, like laughing about the like Triple H drive through wedding scene where he just like, you know, drugs her, marries her and talks about consummating the marriage. And these are two of like the faces of a publicly traded company. But at the same time, it's like, you can't really, you know, hold, I guess their whole concept is you can't hold an actor for what they portray on screen, whereas Dark Side of the Ring is a little bit worse. But I think they just continue to counterpunch that because their like engine for good is I think always what they'll fall back on that it's like, hey, yeah, that did suck. But like, you know, now there are more and more stories about some of these people that have developed the dependence issues and had the injuries in the WWE you know, while they don't advertise it, because I think they don't want it to seem like PR, they actually been pretty good about it. So I think that they just continue to deal with it. Because I mean, for me, the biggest one that I will, I will never stop talking about, because I, I never think it should be overlooked, is that John Cena's done his like 500 Make-A-Wishes. And like the next closest person is at like 200 and change. Like it's just not even close. So I think that that's just kind of their thing now. Um, I think that they have to acknowledge Dark Side of the Ring is there, but I think for them, it's like, yeah, you know, this happened. We need to go back from it. Whereas I think AEW is kind of pushing that and wanting to bring up some of the storylines a little more because it does have that negative pulse. But I just think that all the people that I think you and I already know it and we'll watch it because we're intrigued by it. But I think the mainstream is just as likely to see, you know, Rex Chapman tweet a John Cena wish fulfillment as they are to click on the article about you know brian pillman so i think it's just the uh, the machine will grind on well I, there's a number of ways i view it like the plane ride from hell um it, it was funny because the reason i ask is i watched a mashup video re today that somebody combined parts from i think it's actually a espn 30 for 30 where it's literally interviews of rick flair telling the story and like bragging about the whole entire thing like word for word and then there's another one that i believe is a wwe uh animated short portraying the events of the plane right for mel like these are like things that like were thrown out there publicly and now it's finally supposedly come to light how dark and horrible and and i'm not gonna say anything to counter that because it sounds incredibly fucked but the thing that the reason that flair will probably continue to move on and and the machine will grind on is again this was all out there it was always all out there this isn't the things that caused the huge like to lack of a better term the cancellations now are when it's something that catches you off guard it's like no that couldn't be and then we're so offended that it caught us off guard that it's like of course we're gonna go up miles on end to let everyone know no fuck that guy he's a sham but when you have a character like flair who literally was talking about his whole life about how like every single man who ever wrestled in that era the 80s has seen his dick you know that's just how it goes so yeah i just think that it's 
fascinating to see them bringing this stuff up, but I, I don't know what impact it's truly going to have. The other side of it too is just that like, it's just, I think my favorite part of wrestling is the fact that it's just the embodiment of capitalism in action. Like it's the modern day circus and just seeing oh. how they have to like, they like the attitude era, what made it amazing for all the fun you had with the rock and stone cold doing their thing was also the fact that it was clearly Vince McMahon be like, well, I'm just going to go out there and try this tonight. And we're going to see what happens. You know, that's where you get Mae Young giving birth to a hand and things like that, where it's just like, well, we don't have any ideas and we have to go on show or on air in 20 minutes. What are we going to do? Oh yeah. I mean, far, far and away, the, the one that I, I always love bringing up and I've already brought up this episode was the higher power, which just made absolutely no sense. It's like the undertakers terrorizing Stephanie, who's the beloved daughter at the time of Vince. And then it's all of a sudden it's like, well, shit, did anyone think about who's going to be under the robe? And it's like, eh, fuck it. We'll just make it Vince again. Like I always bring it up, but just the look on Shane's face of like clapping, it just totally had the ultimate like stooly, like, oh no, it's a good thing we got our ass kicked outside the bar because now everyone knows that we're willing to push a fight all the way even if we lose. And someone's like, yeah, yeah, we are that cool. Like we're tough. So no, I, I'm, I'm with you 100% that I also, yeah, I think I think the cancellation thing's a fine point because I think that uh, there have been, you know, some some recent people that it's come up with and, you know, WWE's distanced themselves pretty quick. And, you know, I think it's also, and who knows, maybe maybe it was in anticipation of this because Flair isn't technically with the company anymore. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, who and what and, you know, how the narrative was shaped. But there is a little part of me that wonders if it was one of those things. They're like, well, we've already had the ESPN doc where he talks about how many, you know, women he slept with. So the whole philandering thing's out there. But, you know, we're not really getting much of a pop from him anymore. Charlotte doesn't need him, like... So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was them playing chess while we were just, you know, looking at the upcoming uh, Dark Side of the Rings. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's, again, I, I appreciate because it it's the embodiment of capitalism. And, it, and some of that is also taking, like, looking at and analyzing and determining, like, how much good versus how much bad. Because there is, like you said, the John Cena Make-A-Wish thing, absolutely phenomenal. But then you on the other side, you have like the controversy over the charity that they did. What is it? Connor the Crusher, I think it was. Yeah. Where, you know, there was some speculation that was done and kind of milked for, you know, promotion, to say the least, versus actually giving a shit about the actual charity. You know, at the same time, they still promoted the hell out of it. So you, you kind of have to weigh the both. Um, and unfortunately, when you're dealing with a thing like this that's constantly in motion and so large like there's going to be a lot of stumbling particularly when you're talking about errors where you have people behaving that had no concept that this was all going to come back and bite them in the ass in 40 years so yeah that's a very fine point but no one expected the oral history era exactly and <laughs> the only reason i bring it up too is because they did debut that new character who's what mr safe space i forget his name but uh yeah who's very clearly out there to troll <laughs> whomever they believe is going to make a big deal out of this documentary so 
we'll have to wait and see yeah. um yeah as far as wwe i have to say like i am super excited for the draft uh, are there any particular members that you would like to see jump ship uh of the assortment or are you just gonna wait and see and play it by ear uh, i think probably the one that i'm i'm very curious about that we've talked about a little bit is uh carrion cross partially because i'm just curious if the draft one could move him or if we could end up seeing scarlet um because i continue to wait to see when she's going to show back up because i think that that's i think that's going to be whenever he gets his push and i just wonder how long they have him doing you know we've we've talked about that this is the if you can if you can get over in this gimmick then you can get your your badass qualities and your valet back. Um, so that's one I'm really intrigued to see. I'm also kind of curious what they do with Rollins because I think he's a uh, he for me is the definition of like the the abundance of riches the WWE has because he's just kind of like off doing his own thing, popping in and out, and he's like one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, and he can give a pretty solid promo and everything. So. Those are those are two I'd probably be interested to see. I'm also curious what happens uh, with the women's divisions. I'm wondering if they try to repackage Alexa post uh, Bray Wyatt creepy girl. Though I, I almost forgot to mention that there was a thank you Lily chant by the crowd after the doll was destroyed, which is like that's awesome. Yeah, if they didn't if they didn't sh- throw those up on the shop for twenty five percent off, they were they were messing up. So curious to see what happens there because it seems like the top of the card feels a little set but i i wouldn't be shocked if maybe they shuffled like Rhea and nikki over there and then brought a couple people back so kind of just excited to see since i feel like it's one of these things where since i can't think of anything too exciting they're going to do something that's really interesting and kind of blow my mind so really really interested to see it what about you anyone you'd like to see in a, a new scenery there are two particular performers that i always am very intrigued if they're involved uh, one of which is now newly monikered Bearcat Keith Lee, who I don't know what it is, but I perk up anytime I hear any mention of that guy. And oh yeah, that's that's a great call. And do you do you know the uh, the history of the moniker? I don't. Um, it was I, I can't think of the guy's name, but it was um a, a Bearcat someone who depending who, which historians you talk to, was the first black world champion. Uh, he won it in California before Ron Simmons. So he's kind of a, uh, so it's, it's a moniker that comes with a, a degree of uh, importance, which also I think to your point could mean that they may have some big things in mind for him if they're allowing him to adopt something that evokes a, a world champion. That's really cool. I had no idea. And yeah, I, I've always felt like he's one of those guys that like, out of nowhere seemingly could become a main eventer um, just because there's all the talents there and he's incredibly 100%. charismatic and I love his silhouette logo thing. It just kills me. And the spirit bomb, I will argue to death is one of the best names for a maneuver. I don't even know why. I just love the name. It's because it sounds fucking cool. It's wrestling. What else do you need? Yeah, no, he summed it up the animal, but yeah. So Keith Lee, I, I, I think that it would, might be nice to see him get moved somewhere and now that he has a kind of a bit of a new persona you know he's clearly in the monster role now so uh we, we can see what he does the other one man is damian priest 
Like we didn't give enough credit for what that guy's been doing. Cause I think you hit the nail on the head when McMahon kind of like hit the ignition on this competition with AEW. Cause those matches he's been putting on with Sheamus and uh, also with um, the big Scotsman uh, McIntyre. Drew McIntyre. Yeah. That those, those, those are some big, some big easy lines, some big meaty men slapping meat. And those have been some, some bangers. Yeah, seriously. But Priest, like, amazes me to no end. Like, that guy, to think that, like, I, you know, my introduction to him was he's the guy who was helping to put over Bad Bunny or whatever. And now it's like, holy shit, this guy is, like, the future. Like, this is why you could afford to let Braun Strowman go when he asked for a million dollars, because you got that guy. You know, this is why you can afford to let Bray Wyatt go, because, you know, you're not going to let him do whatever creative endeavor he has in mind. Like, because Jesus, that guy can go and he goes yeah. every night seemingly. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens with him. Even if he stays put just uh, the idea of him getting new competition through the draft intrigues me. So no, that's a, that's a great point. And I think, I think the fact that the, the U S title ever since Cena had it just kind of developed this, this workman's title. And I think, yeah, priest is a great guy to be carrying that tradition on of different competitors. Yeah. We don't need a build. We just need the match, but that's a guy that's going to put on a great match. I have to say too, I, I appreciated the uh, inclusion of Jeff Hardy in the pay-per-view uh, just because I think that that's his, the best utilization of a Jeff Hardy now. Cause like, don't, don't put him out solo and don't put him at like, don't give him a funky tag team, but just like have him in some limited capacity where he can spend most of the time hurt on the mat and then appear and do one of his crazy ass moves and then give him like an extended period of time to recover. And it, it works perfectly, especially when you have just these two bangers going back and forth and then just seemingly out of nowhere, Jeff can pop up again. And, uh, I think it's good because he's clearly at the tail end of his career. Um, I still strongly believe he'll get, he'll reunite with his brother one more time in AEW just because that's AEW. But yeah, he, he's at a stage where like, it's starting to like become apparent that he's not going to be able to transition once, once the body goes. Cause the, yeah, I mean, the, his style was always so balls to the wall. But you see the difference now with the promos with Big Money Matt is is actually hilarious on the microphone and has his little catchphrases and stuff. And then on the other side, you have when Jeff they allowed Jeff to talk most on the most recent episode of Raw, and it was just just as bad as the first time I saw him speak as when the Hardy <laughs> Boys debuted. So, uh, but yeah, I, I appreciated that just in the very least that it's like here's a guy that like there were rumors that they were just going to flat out cut him not that long ago. Cause they were just fed up with him not going over. And, you know, he, they, they owe him more than that. He's that's a legacy talent right there. No, no, I think those are great calls. I think, I think it should be fun to have the draft uh, Friday and next Monday and see, uh, see what the shuffle does. Cause that is a uh, one interesting thing about the, the difference between the two shows or, programs i should say with aew and wwe is that they're run completely separate so you kind of get that shake up that really makes it feel new and with uh i think with vince feeling as challenged as he he does he might be doing something interesting so no exciting things and great time to be a wrestling fan 
Absolutely agree. I think uh, we've run the gamut of things to say about WWE at this point, and we'll have to mm-hmm. uh, regroup and catch up after the draft. All right. Thank you so much, Danimal, and thank you for listening. Take care.